You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Happy New Year and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and Ryan is your host. Thanks for tuning in to our first episode of 2021. We are proud to bring you none other than Tamara Bass and Megan Good. Both star in the upcoming film, If Not Now When, which is set to release in select theaters and video on demand this month in January. Tamara Bass also wrote the screenplay, co-directed, and co-produced the film with fellow star and bestie Megan Good. This marks the first time that these two women have co-directed a feature film that one of them wrote and both of them produced and starred in. So we are really excited to have them both featured on our podcast to talk about it. And in our second segment, we bring Lexi Underwood, who stars in the film, If Not Now When. So we got a double dose of If Not Now When stars producers, directors, we've got the whole ensemble from the team, if not now when, on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. And Lexi Underwood is a favorite. If you've not seen Little Fires Everywhere, definitely check that out because she is in that series. So you don't want to miss that show if you have not caught that already. Ryan is hosting it. Again, Happy New Year to all of you. Thank you for tuning in and sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring Tama Bass, Megan Good, and Lexi Underwood. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And look, you guys, I am so excited about this project. If not now, when? Coming to you on demand and digital January 8th. But I got to get something off my chest real quick before I introduce these ladies. Because usually when you are a journalist, when you're a podcaster, you have to do these projects. And as a black female, you know, not only maybe maybe have like one or two black people in there, maybe a black woman in there. But you have the thing where it's like they don't get the hair or the outfit right. And you like, OK, we're going to do this today. Or they got the family pop up and you like, I know I wouldn't be able to talk to my mama like that. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I talked to my mama like that. But it's just like having the reference, having the background or somebody that understands in a project is always um, so much fun to be able to talk to. And hopefully you guys go out and support and form your own opinions, but just go out and support this because we need more representation. But I said all that to say, thank you, uh, Tamara and Megan, for joining me today. Thank you for this project. I'm very excited to talk to you. Thank you Yay. for having us. I'm excited too. Yes. Oh, and I guess let me get let me give their full. Let me make sure Megan Good and Tamara Bass. Let me make sure y'all know. <laughs> hey. hey. 
And also, too, I need to point out, okay, they got multiple titles on this, which makes it so dope. Okay, between the both of them, we got directors, we got writers, we got producers, and they're two of the stars. So I just want to ask you, ladies, when did you sleep? When did you have time to sleep? Um, we slept after um, May 2019 when we were done. Okay. Yeah, mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, and truthfully, I don't think we're sleeping now either. So it's like, oh crap. Like every time you think something is done, it's not done yet. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, you know, that all makes sense. And uh, listen, now the thing that got me where I was just, so I watched this movie twice, not because I had to interview you, just because I was just so wrapped in it and I wanted to get some more, hear more of the dialogue. And it's just so much fun that you guys will definitely be talking to your friends and family about this one, but you can feel the sister camaraderie on the film. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like it's such a good energy between you guys. So tell us like how that relationship started. It's so between you two. It's crazy because Tam and I, you know, have been friends since I was 16 and she was 19. We met on an audition where we were like, I think, going for the same character or something. And you know, over the year, we just kind of were like one day I was like, hey, can I come home with you? My mom was like, yeah, as long as, you know, Tam brings you back home. And then from that point, I ended up staying at her house for a few nights and we just became friends and the rest is history. And, um, you know, when I discovered that she was a writer, she was like a closeted writer. I had no idea that she could write this incredible script and, you know, and, and has written a bunch of incredible projects. Um, and so when we set out to do this, it was really about finding the right women to play these roles. And we had never met Makia, you know, Cox or Megan Holder before. And the second that Makia came in, first of all, we didn't, re I didn't realize that she she was actually pregnant. And I was like, this is so perfect. This is amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and then Megan, you know, we were looking for her tape for like over a week and found it like in the 11th hour, right before we were about to go to start filming. And from the moment we met both women, it was like an instant camaraderie and instant love. And mm -hmm. so, um, my experience growing up in the industry, I was like, you know, it's, it's hard with first time directors. It can be hard with women. They can be weird and you just don't know what you're going to get. And these women showed up and they were excited for us. They were rooting for us. Like they had won something just because of like what we were all doing together. And, and it was really special. Yeah. And it's like, even the poster is fly. <laughs> like just being able to see it like pop up and you like what you know these four independent strong black women on this cover then they behind the scenes too it's really dope so break down like I don't even know if this, you're able to put this in words but how was it um because essentially you have to direct yourself right right yes. some of these things yes yes <laughs> it uh, is and that's when you know I'm a theater actor I'm I grew up in the theater mm -hmm. I have I have a degree from it so I have to rely on my training and then rely on my director, uh, my co-director and saying, okay, we, we knew going in before we started shooting, you know, doing prep, we were very clear on what type of movie we were making. And then as you know, when we go into our script, so we have these, I had these tabs in my script as a director, tabs mm. in my script as a actor, very clear in each scene what my intention was, what my, mm. you know, what it was that I wanted to portray and then relaying that to the other so that we had a safety net. So in that moment, I remember doing this one scene that was, that was a lot for my character and I, we did take one and it was other circumstances that I was letting into my head, like had nothing to do with the scene. And I knew like, as soon as she yelled cut, I was like, that ain't it. I was like, I ain't, hit, I ain't hit none of them beats. 
And then <laughs> I see her like walk over to the, it was a car scene. She walks uh-huh. over and she like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think. And she starts giving me her notes. And I'm like, yep. Everything that you're saying was in my notebook. I ain't hit none of that, right? <laughs> she looks, she's like, so we just gonna do take two. I was like, let's do take two. And then like for her, it was the same thing. And she had this notion when we were in prep, she was like, oh, I'm gonna be checking. I'm gonna ask for playback. I was like, no, you're not. We ain't gonna have time for playback, but I'm gonna let you think you're gonna ask for playback. <laughs> and then yeah. after like the first day, she was like, okay, we don't have time for playback. So I was like, we had to trust <laughs> each other. And there was yeah. one scene where the scene between her and Lexi, mm-hmm. we had it. We had it in take three. She was like, mm, I think I, w- I think I need another one. I'm like, we got it. No, I think I need another one. I'm like, we got it. I need another one. I was like, okay, but let you have another one. Go ahead, have another one. So as we're <laughs> editing, so I had the edit. I'm like, so she's like, yeah, it's take four that I want. And I'm like, okay, sis, go for it. Go do you. She puts it up. And she's like, can I see... So we go back to take three, and she's like, oh, that's it. I was like, so let the record reflect. That's the, scene I that's the take I said was money, but I'm going to let you live. So you already knew, right? I already knew, because I was like, I knew what it was that she wanted to achieve, <laughs> and vice versa. She knew what yeah. I wanted to achieve. Yeah. So it was like having to trust each other, and it was the same thing that happened in editing one day. <laughs> I um, there was a scene between Walter and Patrice outside by the car. Man, this car got hey, this car is a lot of drama in the movie. You gotta go understand. So there's a scene outside, and <laughs> doing editing, like I had the editor change the takes, right? And she goes, mm-hmm. she looks at me, and she's like, "Did you change the take?" And I was like, "Yeah." She goes, "Okay," and she, that's all she says. So through like the different screen, I mean, we had, you know, we wa- we edit, we watched the movie millions and millions of times. And it wasn't until like right before we locked, yep. I was like, you know what, Ruth, that's our editor. I was like, can you, can you try this take instead? Can you try this take instead? <laughs> so I don't, I think she had, I, I asked him to change it before she got there because she was coming from another, another appointment. So he changed it. And then when she gets there, she's like, oh, let's see what you guys did already. So we Uh put it back and she goes, you changed the takes again, huh? I was like, yeah. She goes, "Mm, that's the ones I thought I told you to use in the beginning. And I was like, shut up. Who cares? (laughs) It was a lot of that. But it was in those moments, it was like knowing that the other heard you. Like, I mm-hmm. heard what it was that she, what performance she wanted to give, and she heard what performance I wanted to give, and knowing to trust the other one. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's, it's trusting that you heard me and that you're not going to put put me out there looking crazy. Mm-hmm. So it was it was you know it's it's a test in your own skill, but it's also a test in trust. Mm-hmm. And the great thing, you know, as actors, that's what we have to do. Yeah. Anyway, we go to the, you know, we get directors and I know I've been in stuff sometimes and I'm like, oh, I don't know what you're going to do with that. And then when you see it cut together and you're like, this is what you chose. It was great to be able to have mm-hmm. that control. So. Yeah. And also, too, speaking of control here. Oh, Megan, did you have anything you want to add to? Nope, nope, she got it. 
<laughs> um, but speaking of two, if you guys have control, which I think is interesting on set, because I got a chance to talk to um, the wonderful Lexi Underwood. And she was talking about how you guys had her, um, you guys helped her through directing a scene that got put in. And I think that's so cool because I'm like, maybe it's just me, but I'm like, I feel like that might not happen on another set that she's on. You know, you don't just come up to the, you know, you don't come up to the director and say, hey, can I try this out? No, and it's funny. I talked about, I didn't even know she brought that up. I talked about that this morning um, to, (laughs) to someone too. And it was, it was a day we were shooting night scenes and she had a, she was like the last scene up. And she comes downstairs and it's a scene, This Megan is on camera with the lovely Valerie Pettiford. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's doing one of her scenes with Valerie and it's, I'm behind the monitors and Lexi, who calls us Miss Tamara and Miss Megan. Yeah, so, she did that the whole, I thought it was the cutest, she did that the whole interview. It's so funny. So she comes downstairs and she goes, Miss Tamara. And I'm like, oh my God, baby. I'm like, are you tired? I know it's late. I'm so sorry. She goes, no, no. Is it, um is it okay if I shadow you while I'm waiting? And I'm like, of course. So we sit down and I look over at her and I'm like, do you want to take the lead on this? And she's like, huh? I'm like, I'm going to let you (laughs) yell cut. I'm going to let you yell action. And so she goes, okay. So I didn't tell Megan nor Valerie. So all all they hear, and you can see it on the monitor, you hear her say action and you see them both react like, wait a second. (laughs) They do the scene and I had notes and I was like, and I look at Lexi and I'm like, do you have notes? And she was like, I do. I was like, don't tell me. So she runs in to Megan and Valerie and you could see her like formulating her notes and is trying to give them to them and I'm watch I'm watching their reactions on on the monitor and they were looking like oh snap like her notes (laughs) and what's crazy is her notes were exactly what I would have given like the exact same notes so I'm like oh okay but watching them respect her enough to say okay cool so she comes back and she yells action and that was the take we used and what was important in that moment for myself and I know Megan will will jump in is that if we don't give these young ladies agency if we don't allow them to she told us in the beginning I want to direct eventually great when you're not working come to set and shadow us if you have a day mm, off yeah. and you don't have anything else to do come let us be teachers and mentors because that's what we're supposed to do it's each one teach one so if I learn something it's because someone took the time to mentor me and shape me who am I not to pass that down to this next young lady who is thriving and wants to do this so we wanted to create that kind of environment for her and Mm -hmm. we did it we put our we put our like I was like woo. Megan is going to kill me because I didn't warn her. <laughs> oh, I was but, happy. Yeah. She came in and she was like, you know, looking and I had just heard her call cut. And, you know, when she was just like, uh, Miss Megan. And I was like, you got a note for me? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay. We sat down and she gave me the note. And I was like, this is a great note, you know? And then when I implemented it and just, it even made the scene just better and smoother. And it was just great. And it was exciting to see her really kind of, even have the courage to just come in and say, I have a thought. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is a great note. I don't know. But to just go for it and to feel comfortable enough 
um, to share it and for it to actually be great, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and she's done more directing since then. And, you know, and, uh, um, things that she's asked me to be a part of and, you know, asked us to be a part of, and it's, and it's been really, really cool to watch her grow. And she's definitely going to be a little powerhouse of just, I can't wait to see what God has in store for her next. Yeah, she is definitely a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but speaking of which, too, of you guys' relationship, Megan, I want to ask you, too, for Tyra, what was the research you went on that? Because that's very, like, I know all the moms are going to, like, really resonate with, you know, being able to see this. Like, you have, first you're dealing with the mother-daughter relationship, mm-hmm. but also there's a mom dealing with her own personal demons, her own fears at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think when you deal with, addiction and trauma and things that you've been through, I think everybody can kind of find there's a common thread in terms of, of how that stuff lands on us. It's just the outgrow of how we deal with it and how we cope Mm -hmm. different for each person. And um, for me, it was just really trying to figure out, okay, where was she before this moment? Even before the first moment you meet her in the film at 17 years old and she's having that baby. What happened before that moment? Who was the boy? What did she like in him? Why did she end up in a situation where she got pregnant? What happened just after that? You know, there's what's on the page, but there's also what was her life? What was that experience? How did she feel? You know, how come this particular accident spiraled into this? What was she feeling in that moment? And how is that? Mm-hmm. So, and then having friends that have dealt with, um, addiction, who are clean now, just really understanding the psyche of what they've been through, why they've been through it, and and figuring out just who she is and living and breathing it. And then the mother aspect for me is just, you know, especially with teenagers, I'm such an advocate for young women, and I mentor a lot of young women, and I and I people who know me know that I'm extremely nurturing people. I've taken care of a lot of people, and I think that comes from my mom, like growing up in a house with, you know, four bedrooms and having 15 people living with you because mm-hmm. your mother is such a nurturing person that she takes in anybody and everybody who needs her help. That's um, in, innately a, a part of who I am. And so being able to just put all of that into the character and then Lexi just being this raw, beautiful talent and completely responding to me and me completely responding to her, it just, it, it made it easy. Yeah, well, you guys definitely, you you guys will melt. I'm telling you at this mother-daughter relationship has you crying, laughing other times, shocked the other men. So yeah, it's definitely going to be a good time for everybody. Um, Tamara, I want to ask you too, speaking of taking care of everybody, mm-hmm. Patrice, shocked, Patrice shocked me because it scared me a little bit because I saw a little bit of traits in there that I recognize because <laughs> she's the one that's like taking care of, you know, taking care of everybody, you know, there for everybody's what people mostly lean on. And it's like, well, when does she take a moment for herself, you know? Right. You know, when does she realize she needs a little bit back? So what was that? Where did you kind of pull from to for that character? I, um, I too, am a lot of Patrice. I, I always say I'm, I'm a lot of Suzanne and a lot of Patrice, which is ironic when Deidre is like, you guys are two sides to the same coin. And mm-hmm. I, I had to learn um, to take care of myself. Um, I am so selfless. I am probably the least self-centered person, which everyone keeps like, you need, they, I had to be, I had to be taught self-care because Mm -hmm. I will go above and beyond for every single human being and then look up and I have zero left for myself. And that zero left for myself 
landed me on a therapist's couch for five and a half years. So mm, yeah. um, I I used a lot of me in that. And then I used a lot of I one of my other friends is the same way. And it's like, dude, when do you know you look up and you're having a moment and there is nobody for you. But what I did was I wanted to to let the audience know that even if you are that person, there are still people for you, which was so important to have that when, you know, when Walter and when Patrice breaks up with Walter, I should say, um, and she's crying on the floor and Deidre comes over and like it was important that there was no dialogue in that scene. And she just comes and sits on the floor next to her and allows her to cry and be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is something that we don't get to see, especially with the strong friend, you know, on, mm-hmm. on, even in the films that, you know, we've seen growing up, the strong friend just maintains being the strong friend through all. And I love the moment of the strong friend needing someone else and someone else showing up for them. To also remind myself that Tamara, people will show up for you if you open your mouth and say, hey, I need this. Um, yeah, yeah. But I wanted, you know, I wanted to talk to people like you who recognize themselves in that and say, hey, um, I don't have to do, have it all together all the time. Like I had um, a few years ago, I lost my niece suddenly. And anybody that knows me knows that like my nieces and my nephews are everything to me. Like I might not even like they mama and they daddy at the moment, but uh, mm-hmm. them, they're my everything. So right. mm-hmm. losing this nine-year-old suddenly, of course, would devastate anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, you know, I'm I'm very reliable. I'm very much like the friend that you call if you're going to pack if you need to move, if you need to do anything, I am that girl. If you need a ride to the airport, even if the airport is two hours away, I'm going to take you to the airport. Everyone knows this about me. Mm-hmm. When she died, I was like, I don't have anything to give because I can't, I couldn't function. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And the best thing was I got this text from a friend of mine and she's like, how are you? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm fine. She was like, okay, let's try this again. How are you? You don't have to have it right now. Let us have it. Let us take the ball and let us be for you what you are for everyone else. And it was in that moment that I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not alone. I'm not Mm -hmm. doing life alone, which is where the tagline came up when we were trying to find a tagline for our poster. And I'm like, Megan, what about friends don't let friends do life alone? And she's like, I love it. Like that was, that was it because it's so, it's so symbolic of what it is. You think we're, you're navigating this journey all by yourself until someone reminds you like, you're really not. If you just open your mouth and say, Hey, this is what I need. And it's crazy. because, like, I remember, I remember that moment, you know, and I, and like when I got to your house that day, there was what four or five of us there. It was it was three, like you, Malin, and Erica, and yeah. Tiff there too. No, uh, uh-uh, Tiff called because uh-huh. she was in New York. But it was like crazy because we had all come from like I, I was at a um, Pastor Teray and Sarah Jakes's wedding, and I like left in the middle of the wedding. 
you know, and we all had like how just came from different places. And we were just there, like in that moment when Patrice was crying in the script and Deidre was there and it was just us, you mm-hmm. know, and it, and that's really what that's really what this movie is about. You know, friends don't let friends do life alone. And we really, truly need each other. And we really, truly need to show up for each other. And I think when nothing else is certain, when you have true, true friendships and people who love you unconditionally, they will drop everything and they will show up for you and they will do everything they can to nurse you back. You know, look, the credits are still rolling. Y'all still dropping nuggets and I'm just taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, all right. I'm going to flip on you guys a little bit. Can I nerd out with you guys a little bit here? Of course. Um, Before, as we kind of wrap here, Um, Tamara, I want to ask you about a line here. Okay. Because um, I won't give away the scene. Is that the? Is that the um one of the opening opening scenes I want to give away? Because I thought it was one of my favorites too. But um the girls mentioned uh Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. Uh-huh. So I was wanting to know if you were a Fast and Furious fan. I am. I, 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 I feel okay. like every Fast and Furious movie is made for me. Like. They're going to keep... Thank you. Them. Finally. Somebody. Yo, somebody. Like, yo, when I saw the trailer for Fast and the Furious, what number are we on? Nine, ten? Nine, yep. Yep. Okay. We're on nine, nine, yeah. When I saw the trailer, yo, I was like, I'm going to see it like three times. And right. then COVID came. It didn't want us to be great. Ah, uh, yes. COVID, I am, yep. I am the big... Like, it's crazy because I love these small little indie movies like mm-hmm. But then I'm like, all, I want things to blow up. I want cars to fly from the from the helicopter <laughs> yes I love it and I got that because I had to you know I had to go back and google and I'm like who was big in 2003 nice well I'm, I'm just so excited I was like please let that be a fast and furious reference because it is so hard to find people that's on the train because they sometimes they think the stunts are a little bit too much so I, I, I thought know. that was pretty cool Look. Yeah, no, that was totally fast and furious. <laughs> totally yeah. fast and furious. All right. And Megan, lastly, I got to talk to you about superhero Darla because the little girl in me was acting real crazy in the movie theater what? when I saw her appear on the screen because I've, you know, I like seeing you. I've seen you in some action stuff, you know, Minority Report, all that different kind of stuff. I love you seeing it, seeing you in the action roles, Thank but you. seeing you in that suit. And that was the cutest, most humble superhero I've seen in my life. Thank you. On screen. How was that wearing that suit and everything? Like, were, were you were people coming up to you like after the movie and everything? Oh man, it's it's been crazy because you know the reason. Like, I set out like the a year and a half before that, and I was like, there are not enough black women in this space, and I really want to do this. And you know, I was talking to Devon about it. He was like, "Cool, what are you doing to prepare for it?" And I was like, "What do you?" Mm, I was yeah. like, "I have faith that it's going to happen." He was like, "Yeah, but what are you doing to put your faith with your works?" You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, ooh, and I was sitting there with a glass of wine and some potato chips. And I was like, <laughs> so then I started working out. I started, you know, I just said, okay, from this point on, I have from 34 to 35, I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. And I started working out five to six times a week for almost a year and a half. And when I went in for the audition, I had no idea what I was auditioning for. It was just being a kid, you know, and and then after audition, they, they called my team and they were like, what has Megan been doing? She, she looks the best we've ever seen her. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then they were like, it's this thing called Shazam. I was like, oh, Kazam with Shaquille O'Neal. And they were like, Shazam. <laughs> and I was like, what's a Shazam? So I went and researched it and I didn't hear anything for like three weeks. And then I was like mm-hmm. walking in like the parking lot and they called and they were like, you got it. And I just bust out. I literally started crying 
in the middle of mm-hmm. the strip mall. And I like ran in like this vitamin store. And I told this lady, I was like, I just got this part. And I was like, so happy and so thankful. And then, you know, actually getting to it because I had been training, I was like, so what does my character do? And they were like, oh, she does um, capoeira. And I was like, that's crazy because I have been taking capoeira for the last few months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so it was amazing and doing the body scans and all that stuff. And then uh, Shazam 2 is going in May of next year. So I just did my body scan the, actually yes, the day before yesterday. Um, and we have new suits coming. And so I'm just like over the moon and and seeing little girls, you know, on Instagram and their parents like posting pictures of them and their costumes and going to Comic-Con and it's just, it's one of the best experiences ever to just feel like little girls can see themselves. It just made my heart smile because, you know, she's not just a superhero. She actually is a little girl who's mm-hmm. capable of this. So, man, it's just, it's a cool, cool ass experience. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Like the way they surprise it, they like whoever did the Shazam casting and planning that whole show out needs to be because the way they planned it at the end was just amazing. And I, you can hear everybody in the theater was like, what? What is happening right now? And it was really cool. Like you have to do a second take. It's like, is that Megan good? And I'm like, yes, keep putting her in all these other superhero stuff because I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. Do you really know what's in your multivitamin? Sugars, GMOs, synthetic fibers, artificial colorants, not to mention animal byproducts like sheep's wool and gelatin from hooves and hides are all ingredients you might find in a multivitamin. But Ritual isn't your typical multivitamin. I went to their website, checked it out, and it's actually very easy to use very direct. I love the layout. And you know what? I think this is going to be my step for 2021 because I am trying to get myself right. Obviously, not only do I want to get myself right with my body and get myself right physically, but I want to also get my mind right. And Ritual is formulated with the key ingredients, including vitamin D3 to help fill the gaps in my diet and all of those chemicals that help get my brain right. And Ritual is designed with different life stages in mind. So it's available for men, women, teens. Ritual makes healthy habits easy. So they're delivered to your door every month with free shipping, always. So you can start to snooze or cancel your subscription at any time and If you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. How about that? So here's what you do, Black Girl Nerds listeners. You deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering listeners 10% off during your first three months. That's right. Go to ritual.com forward slash nerds to start your ritual today. That's right. Ritual.com forward slash nerds. Start your ritual today for 2021. Get your ritual right. Get that regime in check and get ready for the new year with ritual. Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I am so excited for my guest today. Ooh, do you guys remember Pearl and Mooney from the Little Fires? They had me in my fields so many times. 
So I'm taking you guys back just like kind of a little bit because she's mixing it up now and, you know, ringing something for the whole uh, new generation that I love about her. So talented. I'm talking about Lexi Underwood. So I might kind of slip up and call her Pearl from every now and again, but I'm so excited she's joining me. Hey, Lexi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Um, so how is how's everything going for you doing the pandemic? I always like to check in with everybody and see if I can find me some tips on how to spend all my idle downtime. Yeah. <laughs> Things everything's been going really well during the pandemic. Um, there's been lots of creating um happening lately. Uh -huh. um, you know, I've been very blessed to be able to work during this time, you know, understanding that not everybody has um you know, that luxury. So feeling very blessed that I'm able to work and also that my family has not been, you know, directly affected by COVID. Um, yeah, but also just, you know, staying inside, social distancing. Right now I'm filming a movie, but still being, um, you know, cautious and taking like all the different um, procedures just to make sure that everybody's safe. Yeah, well, I'm gonna get back to that with your with your filming, by the way. Um, but I want to talk to you about Seventeen. Call you 2020 Voices of the Year mm -hmm. uh, recipient. Recipient uh, Variety has you power. Um, power of Young 2020. What does that mean to you? Because I mean, I'm just I'm in awe because I'm a fan, loving watching you on the screen. But what do those kind of accolades mean to you, especially going into the the new with the new generation? And sometimes you know, new generations are misunderstood. Millennials are misunderstood. You know, from maybe not having a work ethic or not understanding. You know, what's going on. So what does that mean for you? I mean, you know, the fact that I am blessed and lucky enough to have a reach to somebody, you know, whether it's 10 people or 10,000 people, I'm just glad that I'm a voice that people can look to, um, to find inspiration or whether, yeah, whether that's inspiration or whether that's also just of like how to go about this year in life and activism, I've been super fortunate to create, especially under my production company, like with We the Voices of Gen Z, it's a docu-series that I created under my production company. And so, you know, I'm just, I was really glad of the fact that like my voice, whatever I created, whatever even I posted on Instagram, that that had a reach to people. Some people were reaching out to me and saying that, uh, you know, um, that watching We the Voices of Gen Z or just even being on my Instagram and me encouraging people to vote, it actually inspired people to get out there and vote and to actually make a difference. So yeah, at the end of the day, like whoever I have a reach to, whether that's 10 or 10,000 people, like I'm just glad that, you know, some people look at me, look up to me and see me as inspiration and I'm encouraging people to do what's right. And speaking of encouraging, we got to talk about this fantastic film, If Not Now, When. Um, by the way, guys, are going to be in theaters, on demand, and digital January 8th. Mm -hmm. um, such an inspiration um, to watch your character, um, Jillian, come to life on the screen. Um, talk about kind of how you got involved in, um, and what you kind of like about Jillian. Yeah. Um, so originally how I got involved um, I auditioned, uh, I auditioned just like, you know, everybody else, but I had, right. I previously had met, um, Miss Megan Good's, um, mother, like at a party one mm. day, uh, we had mutual friends and, uh, it was a birthday party and 
her mom was like, oh, you look a lot like my daughter. And I didn't realize, you know, we, my mom and I, we didn't realize who she was talking about um, for quite a while because we didn't realize that she was Megan Good's mom. Um, but she kept saying <laughs> that until she pulled up a picture. And we were like, oh, oh, wow, your daughter is Megan Good. Like, that that's really awesome. And she was just telling us about this project and how, you know, um, she thought that I would be a great fit for the role um, and that I should like, you know, ask my agents about it. So I asked my agents about it. I got an audition. Um, I went in the first time that I went in, it was, um, a bit different because usually you do like a couple rounds of auditions or you do just like a standard audition first before you get into chemistry reads. Um, but I only had two auditions and my first one, uh, Megan just, she was like, let's do a scene together. So it kind of threw me off a little bit, but I was, you know, really excited to do it with her. And by the time we were done, like everybody in the room, including us, was crying because it was just such a, um, you know, it was a heartfelt scene. It was a very tender moment between us. Um, and I wound up booking it, which was really awesome. And a little bit about Jillian and why I love this character so much is, you know, Jillian is a 15 year old girl who's a little shy and unsure of herself. Um, she loves football. She's a guru and, you know, she can talk about football stats with ease. Um, but we also see her dealing um, with her mother's overdose on painkillers. And we really get to see Jillian process her experience and her relationship with her mother um, and with herself through the connections of her aunts, who are her mother's friends, her stepfather and her special friend, Michael, who's played by the talented Niles Fitch. Um, and, you know, what I love about this story is the fact that it's a story about love. It's a story about friendship, forgiveness, and resilience. And I love that we get to see a range of Black women. There are no stereotypes. And, you know, each has a very beautiful story arc. And I believe that women will be able to see themselves and relate. Um, and so I just feel like, you know, I learned so much from each woman. And it's such a lovely and heartfelt movie um, that... I mean, there's so much happening, especially when we talk about overdosing. Um, but at the end of the day, I also think that this is just a good movie about sisterhood and about Black women uplifting each other during times where we're struggling. Yeah, it, it really is. It, um, and like you said, it, it makes you think about a lot of things that you might have a lot of thoughts you might have going on in your head. Um, and just like certain um, certain issues that maybe the world is not aware of, you know, when it comes to Black women and and you know how they support and uplift each other. And um, speaking of Jillian and, um, and Tyre's relationship, Tyre, by the way, for listeners, um, played by Megan Good. What, um, what, how did you? How was like behind the scenes on some of those like tough moments for you and um, for you and Megan to kind of play? Like, how did you guys kind of get to that zone? Because you deal with a lot of heavy issues here when it comes to a mother and a daughter. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, we're just super. We're really, really close. So it wasn't hard for us to. Um, you know, try and kind of create that bond uh, because of the relationship that we already had. But when it came to, you know, getting into those moments of like being super emotional, um, we just, we sat down and we talked about a lot of the scenes and we talked about, you know, how we were gonna play them. We talked about what her character was thinking in those moments um, because it also helped me give insight on, you know, what my character would possibly thinking, would possibly be thinking in those moments. Um, you know, so we, it was really just a collaborative process. Um, it was hard obviously to be able to 
uh, get into those really um, deep, challenging um, moments where we were very mad at each other, especially there's one part of the movie where she like slaps me. And so we definitely mm-hmm. had to go over that and just make sure that we were playing all those beats right. But as soon as we were done with those really heavy emotional scenes, we would hug each other and go back to our normal selves and all was good in the end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you could, you guys could tell it was a lot of chemistry, a lot of love behind the scenes of making this. Um, yeah, because people are going to be amazed at, you know, some of the topics you guys talk about and, and just, you know, Black women on screen, uh, women of color getting to see those different facets of um, Black women that you don't always get to see on camera. Absolutely. What would you say would, um, is your most like, cha- was your most challenging scene or maybe what you're really like one of the scenes you're really excited for people to kind of get a look at? I think it would probably be the scene where she slaps me. Um, yeah, that's just, that's like, <laughs> that's like such a heavy emotional scene. It is, it is yeah, it is very heavy, yeah. yeah. And we also, you know, trying to get the, the stunt down of making it look like she had slapped me. Mm, um, yeah. But, you know, like timing everything out. So it was hard in that aspect of like, just making sure that the scene played right. But I'm excited for people to see it. I think that it's such a um, powerful it's a, it's a powerful scene and it really makes you uh y- you think and it makes you feel <laughs> it makes you feel things um and made me feel things the first time that I read it in the script so I'm excited for people to see that to see that scene um specifically um and last little uh, uh moment here for um if not now when Do, have you ever had a moment like that because this this kind of got me um um if not now when moment um, it kind of got me thinking, watching you guys on screen, I'm like, is there something in life or something I've been kind of waiting on to do? Have you ever had one of those moments? Uh, are you talking, can you elaborate as to what you're talking about specifically? Yeah, just kind of those, I kind of, when I when I uh, was watching the film, I was kind of thinking of, you know, just those taking chances moment and being able to kind of rely on people um, for certain things, you know, that may have kind of stopped you in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's a friend or just an opportunity, you were like, I should have did that or I should do it right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that life is incredibly short and, you know, you only have one life to live. So opportunities and people, they come and go. Um, Something that I've been saying, you know, recently when we're talking about this year specifically, it's just like not taking things for granted. Um, And I think, you know, these times are too, um, they're too real to have not genuine people or just not genuine things around you. Um, mm, yeah. Energy. So I try and align myself with projects, with people um, that are a good fit, that are only going to help me grow and are going to uplift me, especially during times like these. So yeah, I've definitely had those moments where I've had to like rethink and also just be like, you know what, here's an opportunity. I'm just going to take this chance because I don't know the next time that I'm going to get that opportunity again. I think that that's what life is about, though, you know, just trying different Mm -hmm. things and not waiting for anybody um, and just, you know, going out there and taking chances. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a take your take your chance kind of world we're living in. And um, you guys better take this chance and go check this movie out January 8th. Um, I'm going to switch gears real quick uh, for you, Lexi. Um, I don't know if this is where you're going to talk about at the beginning, but I saw you're going to be in the upcoming uh, Sneakerella. I am. Are you, are you like too, are you excited as we are about this, about this first of me, first of all, being done again. And then like, just excited to see, like, to be a part of a musical. Cause I'm just a musical fan. 
yeah, I'm so excited for people to um, for people to see it. Um, I love the fact that Disney is reimagining the way that we see um, Disney princesses because growing up, you know, Princess Tiana was my favorite princess, but she was also a frog for half of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that it's really important and really special that we have um, young black girls like Yar Shahidi, uh, mm-hmm. Halle Bailey, me, Chosen Jacobs, who's actually going to be playing, who's stepping into the role of Elle, who is like Cinderella. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about this project specifically is the fact that I'm not playing Cinderella. I'm playing Prince Charming, so Princess Charming. Um, and we're reimagining the fact that you don't have to wait for a man to consider yourself a princess or to feel like a princess. Because in most of these Disney princess movies, you know, it's always the girl that's waiting for the guy to sweep her up off of her feet and save her and save the day and happily ever after. But she's already happy at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. She's already, she's a boss. She is doing her own thing. And I love that. And I think it's very important that um, young girls see that and they understand that they don't need to wait for a man to consider themselves as a princess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with that. And yeah, Tiana was one of my favorites too. But yeah, I, Disney has changed it up now. But yeah, I was kind of like, what? She got to be a frog the whole movie? Right. Yeah. But I love the fact that we're, you know, we're we're changing it up, and we're, like I said, we're reimagining what Disney princesses can be. So I'm, I'm very excited. Um, I'm very excited for all the other projects too. I'm excited to see Yara in the role of Tinkerbell, and I'm excited to see Hallie uh-huh. in the role of Ariel. So I'm very excited about how. I'm excited about where this industry and Disney specifically is going when it comes to diversity and representation. It makes And also, right. And also too about switching up the game here. You have Ultimate Dreamer Productions. How did you how did you come about that cuz I think it's so dope to be able to, you know, the under the underrepresented voices, the next generation. Um can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so actually um I started Ultimate Dreamer Productions just like a couple of months after we wrapped If Not Now When. Um, I started it when I was 15 years old for my 15th birthday. Um, My parents asked me what I wanted to do when I said I wanted to open up my own production company for my birthday. Um, It's a cool birthday present. It's really cool. I honestly think that being on set um, on If Not Now When actually really inspired me to start my own production company uh, because this is, um, you know, Miss Megan's directorial debut. So seeing her as a director, but also as an actress and seeing her like balance between the two was so empowering to see. And, um, you know, she actually, when I told her that I was opening up my production company, she helped me. She helped me, um, you know, get going. And with We the Voices of Gen Z, I originally shot a concept video back in 2018 when I first turned 15. And she signed on as producer and she helped me um, you kind of like organize the entire thing. And even on set, I was able to shadow her and uh, Miss Tamara Bass. And I, right at the end before I wrapped, I was actually able to direct a scene between Miss Megan and Miss Valerie Pettiford, who plays her, um, you know, counselor therapist um, at the um, the rehab center. So I was able to 
actually direct a scene between the two of them and it actually made it in the movie which is really cool so that was kind of like my directorial debut as well uh, nice that's cool uh, so i you know i just i really love both sides of the camera i love storytelling in all different types of ways i think that producing directing screenwriting is so um it's so interesting and you know, with We the Voices of Gen Z, kind of like I was saying earlier, like if I have a reach to anybody, like if if my project, if my performance, if, you know, whatever I'm saying makes somebody feel some type of way, um, at the end of the day, I'm feeling good and I feel like I did my job. So with We the Voices of Gen Z, um, for many people to kind of like reach out and say that that either inspired them to go out and vote or to call, um, you know, Congress or to call, you know, just make calls um, to help when it comes to like Breonna Taylor, George Floyd or Ahmaud Aubrey, um, or even just the fact that it helped them kind of see that they weren't the only ones going through the fact that none of this is normal. And, you know, 2020 has been an incredibly hard year. So the fact that, you know, yes, we have activists sitting down and talking about the the craziness that has been 2020, we also just have teens sitting down and talking about their experience and how they're going about things and, you know, different things that have helped them get through this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to create more with Ultimate Dreamer Productions. I'm very excited of the work that we've put out already. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be cool. We can't wait to hear and um such a pleasure to talk with you and loving what you're doing for the next generation. Um, actually, as we wrap here, I like seeing you do your um, where you're picking like different songs, different artists on IG for your reels to kind of kind of dance and sing to. Do you have like going <laughs> going in for Christmas and New Year's? You got like a go to Christmas jam. You got a go to like new like start the new year off right song. My go to Christmas jam is Santa Baby by Eartha Kitt. I love. Hey, there you go. Like she's just so, she's she's everything, and that voice is so so bomb. So that is that's probably like my go-to uh, Christmas jam. You can't. I think you can't go wrong with Santa Baby. Like Please. there's always a cover or something to Santa Baby. Exactly. <laughs> Lexi, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, and everybody, stay safe. Wear your mask, and you guys enjoy the holidays. You too. Happy holidays. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.